My name is M. Norwood. My pronouns are they, them. Um, I've been at this church for um, I think going on seven years. Um, I'm a part of the bell choir, the chancel choir, I'm a deacon, and I'm the council representative for worship arts. Um, and today I stand before you to deliver the infinite wisdom of a 24-year-old who's about two semesters into seminary. Uh, this is the second sermon I've ever given, and the first one was to a phone camera. So it's going to be an adventure for all of us. Siblings in Christ, let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Let us learn together and teach together, and let us take what we know to be true here out into the world and let it do God's work. Amen. Today's section, second scripture reading is Luke 13, verses 1 through 9. On the same occasion, there were some people present who told Jesus about some Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their own sacrifices. Jesus replied, Do you think these Galileans were, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their own were the greatest sinners in Galilee just because they suffered this? Not at all. I tell you, you'll all come to the same end unless you change your ways. Or take those 18 who were killed by a falling tower. Do you think they were more guilty than anyone else who has lived in Jerusalem? Certainly not. I tell you, you'll all come to the same end unless you change your ways. Jesus told this parable. There was a fig tree growing in a vineyard. The owner came out looking for fruit on it, but didn't find any. The owner said to the vine dresser, look here, for three years now I've come out and searched for fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Cut it down, why should it clutter up the ground? In reply, the vine dresser said, please leave it one more year while I hoe around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then let it be cut down. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then let it be cut down. When I graduated high school and moved to Kalamazoo for college, I got a lot of advice. Sorry. When I moved to high school, when I graduated high school and moved to Kalamazoo for college, I got a lot of advice. A surprisingly large amount of it was, don't worry, you'll change your major eventually. Everyone does. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to inform a chunk of the population of Bentendorf, Iowa, that I entered Kalamazoo College as a biology major and four years later indeed graduated Kalamazoo College with a biology major, uh, which I'm now putting great use to standing up here giving a sermon. <laughs> it's a good thing my day job is in science. But the genuinely best advice I got, the one I truly used, was you want to do everything, don't. And it is difficult to advice, as a, advice to follow as a college student who wants to explore everything and do everything and get a taste of everything. I told myself that I didn't have room in a pre-veterinary medicine path to do things like get a minor in classics. The registrar told me this many times as well. Uh, four years later, my favorite classics professor told me I'd earned an honorary minor as I had audited my way through the requirements even though I hadn't been able to officially take the classes. 
As you can see by how many times my name is listed in the bulletin today, I still sometimes struggle to follow this advice. <laughs> it still amazes me sometimes that I survived doing everything that I did in college. And it still amazes me sometimes that not all of it was worth it. The pre-vet med requirements are gruesome. It is so much harder to get into veterinary school than medical school that many hopeful vet students list medical school as their backup. Two months later, after graduating, I started a job in animal medicine and research that I know I will have a long career in. And I could have gotten to the same place with just the biology degree and an official minor in classics. You cannot do everything. Let it be cut down. I took a class on care and counseling and bereavement this winter in my seminary degree, the sharp turn from biology. At one point, our professor explained to us that in general, people live in a sort of gained mindset up until about their 60s or even their 70s, looking forward at how they can build their lives, gain more experience, plan for their children's lives, grow. They look to grow figs on their trees. But when people enter their 80s and 90s, they flip and center their celebration of life on the contentedness of being with family, of being in a house with no more mortgage to pay, doing their favorite hobbies, spending simple time with the people they love. By this stage, if something takes more energy than it returns, people are generally more willingly, willing to give it up for something else, more willing to let it be cut down. And it makes sense. You're settled, your life is settled, the next generation is settled. You have earned the right to let the fruitless trees be cut down. Ask yourself where you are in this journey, where your thoughts fit into these groups. Do you follow the trends? Neither mindset is bad, each has their necessary place. We must both grow and enjoy what we have grown. I also questioned in that class how it came to be that I felt the second way, like a 90-year-old, despite not yet being old enough to rent a car without an extra fee. I have not yet decided if I made an early life revelation or if I'm just really tired. You cannot do everything. If it does not bear fruit, then let it be cut down. We have all been through so much in the last two years. Some of us have been through so much more for so much longer. According to my professor, I've apparently turned into partially a 90-year-old. Soon, I may f find myself joining my coworker and shaking his cane at all of our technicians and shouting at them to get off our imaginary lawns in the office. <laughs> There's only so much one mind can handle. The online communities of those suffering from chronic pain and mental health issues have adapted a metaphor to describe this called the spoon theory, created by a writer, Christine Miserando, in 2003 to describe her struggles with lupus. Each day, each individual starts with a set number of spoons. Each spoon represents the physical and mental energy it takes to complete a task. Some tasks take more spoons than others. Getting dressed takes fewer spoons than cooking a full family dinner. One day getting dressed may take one spoon. On another day with a chronic pain flare up, getting dressed may take three. 
On either day, you still only have so many spoons. You can only take from tomorrow's spoons to finish today, but tomorrow you'll start with fewer spoons to begin with and finish even less. Continuing to borrow from tomorrow is unsustainable. Eventually, you will have no spoons left to do anything. You have to manage and conserve your spoons and find ways to rest and earn them back. You cannot do everything. Anyone who gardens knows that plants need nutrients. We have to hoe around the trees and fertilize them, and we have to do the same for ourselves. We have to spend our time setting up our lives for the future. We have to use spoons to complete tasks and to find ways to give ourselves more spoons for tomorrow. We have to try to do everything, try to fix the whole world because that is what we want to do. And that in many ways is what we need to do to be ourselves. Give it one more chance, try again, see if it works. It very well might. I've done far more than I ever thought I could accomplish simply by starting and refusing to stop and realizing some along, somewhere along the line that I'd already finished. I cannot claim to have fixed the world, but I like to hope that I've made a good effort at fixing my world. But we also must give ourselves rest. Tell ourselves it's okay to rest because if we don't, our bodies will decide for us. I know that very well thanks to the biology degree. We can borrow from tomorrow to finish today, but we will still run out of food, spoons eventually. We will run out of figs on our trees. Give those things in your life fertilizer, those things that poke and prod you at 2 p.m. and 2 a.m. Hoe around them and give them another year to grow. But if they do not bear fruit, then let them be cut down. Plant something new that will live better in this climate and give you the things you need. Find what fits in your garden, what does not overgrow the fence, what gives nutrients back to the soil, and what brings fruits to bring pollinators in. God's garden looks like many things, as can yours. Figs do not grow well in Michigan, but there are a lot of other things that do. You cannot do everything, but you can do something. Be proud of your place in this world, in God's world. It is small, and yet it is. Let yourself enjoy the work you have already done. Enjoy simply that God has placed you here with figs. If a piece of your life bears fruit, enjoy it. If it does not, then let it be cut down. Let the space be filled with new fruit, God's fruit. Amen.